right, all right. How's everyone doing? No, I mean, I mean everyone. How's everyone doing? Yeah. All right. Hey, let me take a quick second and introduce myself because some of you might think, and who's that weird dude up there? And why has he got the microphone? Uh, so let me just clarify, just, you know, bring all your minds to ease because I was actually asked to have the microphone. Uh, crazy, I know, but they, they offered it to me. Anyways, my name's Tim Gillio. I'm a pastor here on staff at Resurrection Life Church. Most of the time I'm speaking in the 180, but occasionally I get to get outside the junior high and get to come here. And I'm excited. Most of you guys probably know who I am because I've actually think I've seen a lot of you over the years. I've been on staff here for just about, I think, nine years now. So it's been a long, time. And I guess that's something we're cheering for or something, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. But uh, before I was on staff in the junior high, I was actually on staff. How many of you guys know who Kendra Binish is? I think most of you know who Kendra is. I actually used to be in Kendra's position years ago. I was actually the administrative assistant for the ground floor for the high school. So it's kind of like a little bit of a homecoming coming back here. So I'm super excited. Pastor Daniels asked me to come back and continue. I think you guys are in a series. Um, what's it called? Uh, it's just a little series. Um, in Christ, right? Come on, you guys have been doing an In Christ series. The hard thing about an In Christ series is this. Everything in the Bible you have to talk about inside of an in Christ series because what did Christ do? Christ, when he came, he said he did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. And when he fulfilled that law, he lined up all this abundant life, right? John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life uh, abundant. So everything inside of the Bible, you have to talk about inside of a series called In Christ. So Pastor Daniel's been doing this series, going through a lot of the awesome benefits. From my understanding, you guys have just been talking about gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So now today I get an awesome opportunity to continue that. And what I'm going to talk to you guys about is I'm just going to ruin my message, which I kind of already did, but I'm going to talk to you guys about unconditional love. There's two types of love when you're, when you're looking at love in that way. There's love that is based on condition, right? Love that's based on external conditions. And then there's another type of love that is unconditional. Now this unconditional love, I don't know if it's as much unconditional, but I've got another way of looking at it that I wanna show you guys. So you guys ready? You guys ready? Come on. Here we go. If you're taking notes at the top, write unconditional love, which I'd highly encourage all of you guys to take notes. And what I want you to write right at the top below that is the scale. Now, I'm not talking about like scales on a fish or anything like that. What I'm talking about is a scale like this. How many of you guys have one of these in your house? This one is like you step on it and this little thing rotates around. Uh, scale like this. We've got a cool digital scale at our house. It's like glass and clear. I don't even know how it works, but you step on it and all of a sudden it lights up and tells you, uh, tells you, Tim, you should work out a little bit more. Um, but that's a different story. Anyways, I want to talk to you guys about a scale because scales are used for all sorts of different things, right? This scale happens to be used for UPS and FedEx and uh, all those other shipping, you put like boxes on here and it'll tell you how much it weighs and it's super accurate until I move it around like this and that's probably not so accurate so they'll have to fix it. But anyways, scales are used for tons of different things. The other day, my in-laws went to see a movie. How many of you guys love movies? How many of you guys have seen a movie within the last 
Five weeks. Okay. Uh, yeah, you guys have seen more movies than I have. I love movies, but one thing is, is I've got two kids. And when you have kids, it gets harder to see movies because no one wants to go in a movie with my daughter, Josephine, because she'll be explaining the whole movie to me and my wife. Let me show you a picture of them just so you guys can see. Here's a picture of my family. I photobombed my wife who has taken a selfie with uh, our son, Jaden. So that's Rachel, my wife, and that's Jaden Thomas. And then I'm in the back and on my shoulders happens to be our daughter, Josephine Nicole. They're pretty awesome. Um, anyways, we don't get to get out and see movies all that often anymore. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that the movies we go see are the best movies possible, right? Because it's like 15 bucks to see a movie per person now. I remember when it was like five bucks, but it's getting expensive now. So we rarely go to the movies. And when we do, we want to make sure that they are the best possible movies that we could spend our money on. So the other day, the other day, Rachel and I invite my in-laws, Ted and Teresa, who a lot of you guys probably know. We invite my in-laws over to our house to have dinner we invite them over to have dinner. They had just gotten done with a movie and they come over to our house and this is what my father-in-law says. First thing out of his words past hello is, it's just a rental. Well, what does that mean? He said, it's just a rental. It's not worth the movie ticket price, you know, because it's like 30 bucks to go see a movie these days for two people when you get popcorn and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, he says, it's not worth the movie ticket price to go see this movie. Wait till it comes out on DVD and then rent it. This is what my father-in-law did. He took an imaginary scale like this one. This one's not imaginary, but he took an imaginary scale and he took the amount of money that it cost to go see this movie and he placed it on here and saw what it read and then he took the joy he got out of the movie, put it on here and see what value it had and then from that he determined that he would not pay that price for that movie. Makes pretty much sense, right? He took, he took and just weighed them to each other. He put them on this scale in his head and said, this one is not worth seeing. Wait till it comes out on DVD and rent it. Well, we do this stuff all the time. We constantly are doing this inside of our lives, and we are actually so good at it that we've got it down to split seconds. We can put something on a scale and determine what's best, um, I'm hoping all of you guys, but maybe only some of you, I don't know. I'm hoping you guys put the decision to brush your teeth this morning on a scale and determine that the five minutes of time is worth giving up in order for the pleasure that brushed teeth is going to give you throughout the day, right? Have you guys, okay, I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna admit my flaws to you. Have you guys, I, I've walked out of the house and forgotten to brush my teeth and then I get like a little ways away and I'm like, have you guys ever done that? I mean, I think all of us have done that. Like you're in a hurry and you totally forget to brush your teeth. The rest of the day, what are you thinking? Man, I wish I would have brushed my teeth because you put it on the scale and you realize that it's worth it, but you forgot to do it. I think all of us have forgotten to do that. We, we, we put things on scales all the time to, to test them, to see if it's worth it for us to do. A few weeks ago, this was now like, eight weeks ago, I think. It was pretty long ago. About eight weeks ago, my wife and I decided that we needed to put some things on a scale to see what value it had in our lives. 
the big ticket item that we decided we needed to stick on the scale and see if it was worth us keeping was our second car. Now, we've had two cars our entire marriage. We've been married for almost five years. We've had two cars. And recently, since we've had two kids, my wife has been at home an awful lot. She's not traveling all that much unless I'm home with her and then we go together. And the times when she does need a car, I can usually flex my schedule to get a car, the car to her, whether I get a ride to work or whatever it is. Um, so we determined that we're going to stick our second car on the scale. So we stick it on the scale and we see that it weighs a lot, but we're really not using it that much. So when you look at the value of the car to us, the value of the car was lower than the cost that the car would bring into our bank account. So we said, well, if we can get so much money for the car, we would rather have that money in our bank account than have that car parked in our garage and not being used. Now, I'm sure most of you would say you could have put the car in my garage and I would have used it, uh, but we determined, we determined that we wanted to sell the car all because of the scale. We put things, we put things all the time on a scale, one thing that my wife and I have been talking about recently because we've been going through like the Dave Ramsey, the Dave Ramsey course. How many of you guys know who Dave Ramsey is? Yeah. He likes, to, he likes to yell at you when you do stuff wrong with money. And I do stuff wrong with money a lot, or I did stuff wrong with money a lot. So I've been learning a lot about Dave Ramsey. So we've been looking at everything in our life and we've been determining what's this worth to us. So we've got, we've got a really big financial scale in our family right now because we keep putting this stuff on and saying, is it worth it for me to have that new Xbox 360 or is it worth, I don't even think an Xbox 360 can be new anymore. Uh, but anyways, so is it worth it for me to have that Xbox 360? Or is it worth it for me to have those game, that, that money that that game would make in my bank account? So we've been doing a lot of scaling, if you would. We've been doing a lot of scaling in our lives to determine what things are worth to us. And we've determined that in our house, we want to live financially wise. We want to be good stewards of what God's given us. So recently, my wife and I have cut a lot back and we've sold several things. I just sold a shredder on Craigslist for like wood chips and stuff. You know, like wood, you put wood in there and it makes it into mulch or wood chips or, you know, it's a vacuum and all this stuff. And I put it on Craigslist and I said, well, the value that that has to me is about $100. So if I can sell that for $100, I would, if no one offers me $100, then I'll keep it. Well, I ended up selling it, so now we've got that, and that was more valuable to us. Do you guys see how we do that? We do that all the time. You guys are, I mean, you pick your clothes you're wearing during the day, if you're gonna brush your hair and your teeth, and all this stuff, we do it, but we do it like super fast, super fast. We've all become so efficient at the scale, the problem is this scale is a good thing, but it's only a good thing if we keep it in the right context in our lives. Because if we start to scale wrong things, it gets a little messy. Let me give you a really good idea, of, and you guys will agree with me that these people scaled something that they shouldn't scale. In Luke chapter 10, there's a story in the Bible of this Jewish guy that was walking down the road. The dude gets mugged, beat up, left to die on the side of the road, and the people who did it took off running with all the valuable things that they stole from him. Well, this Jewish man laying on the side of the road, laying there to die, as he's laying there, this priest, 
pastor, whatever you want to call him, he comes walking by. And as he's walking by, I can imagine from a distance, like the Jewish man is laying way out there. He's a priest. You know, the Jewish man is laying way out there and he sees the guy. And this is what this, Jew, this, this priest does for this Jewish guy. He picks up his scale and then he takes, and he takes all the positive things that he would benefit from helping that guy and puts it on the scale and sees what it weighs. And then he thinks about all the negative things that would happen if he did help this guy, like he would have to pay some expenses probably, or he would have to help carry the guy and it might be exhausting. And he grabs all these other things, the bad things, sticks them on the scale and looks to see which one weighs more, which one has a, a more value to him, either in a positive or a negative. And what this, I can't believe this, this priest, I mean, this dude is supposed to be like, the guy that helps everybody. He's supposed to be the guy that pulls over on the side of the road and helps a person change their tire in their Toyota minivan, you know? He's supposed to stop and he's supposed to do everything because he is a, he's a priest. But he puts this stuff on the scale and he, and he decides that instead of helping, he wants to turn and look the other way and kind of ignore that Jewish guy that's laying there about to die. See, we're not supposed to put our acts of love on a scale, right? We're not supposed to scale other people to see if they're worthy of us showing the love of Christ. No, we are called as Christians to show the love of Christ to others. We're called to show Christ's love. So the priest walks on by, strolls by, his conscience probably yelling at him the entire time. So up next comes not a priest, but an assistant inside the temple. So this is also a guy that would help and encourage with the offerings and stuff at the temple. Well, this guy comes strolling up. <clears throat> he does the same thing. He looks over at the Jewish guy. He pauses. He says, well, what are the positive things that I can get from helping that guy? And he puts them all in a, in a bucket and he weighs them. And he says, okay, that was that much. And then he goes and he grabs all the negative things and he puts those in a bucket and he puts it on the scale. And he also determines whether it's worth helping that person or not. And he says, no, it's not worth helping because I'm not really gonna get that much out of helping him. And I'm gonna have to pay a whole bunch. Can I like admit my flaws again to you guys? Do you know how often I've been driving on the side of the road and I've seen someone pulled over and I make an excuse why I shouldn't help them? Like, oh, I gotta get there, I gotta get there fast, you know, or oh, I'm, I'm late, or oh, I can't do it because, and I make an excuse. Because I put that decision, if I see someone with a pop tire, I put that decision in a bucket, put it on here and say, well, the benefits aren't really that high because I'm not gonna physically get anything from them and the cost is pretty high, so why would I do that? But, but I mean, you do it because it's the right thing to do, right? But, I, but I've missed and I've, I've kicked myself. I've kicked myself because it's like, man, I should have stopped. I should have stopped and I should have helped him. And that's sad. We are called to scale things, but when it comes to showing the love of Christ, we're called to be a servant, right? What'd Christ say? I came not to be served, but to serve. Christ, Christ himself did not come to serve 
to be served, but to serve others. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Third guy comes up. Third guy comes up to this guy. This third guy, let me tell you, he's a Samaritan. Now, if you don't know who the Samaritans are, Jewish people in general, if you take the average Jewish attitude towards the Samaritans was, we don't want anything to do with them. So this is a guy that Jewish people literally would have despised. So he comes walking up. He surveys the situation. He looks at the Jewish man laying there about ready to die. And he takes all the benefits that he'll receive, puts them in a bucket, chucks them on a scale, sees what it weighs. Probably weighs very little, if not nothing. He probably had no good reason to help this Jewish guy. Then he thinks about all the negative things. I can imagine negative thing after negative thing after negative thing. The Samaritan found probably hundreds of reasons not to help this guy. Puts those reasons in a bucket, puts it on a scale, reads it, it probably weighs a ton. So he says, I've got no reason to help him and I've got lots of reasons not to. And he looks at the situation and then the Samaritan does something. You see, that Jewish guy did not earn help, did not earn love from this guy, but no, this guy determined that even though that Jewish person probably is not worthy of love from this Samaritan, this Samaritan determined that he was gonna do the right thing. If you're taking notes, write down scaling people, not like climbing people, but scaling them with a scale. I thought about that, scaling people. Um, We're not called to scale people. We're called to sharpen others. We're called to challenge people. We're called to do lots of things, but we're not called to scale people. This is what we're called to do. As Christians, and I said this before, as Christians, we are called to show the love of Christ to others. To show the love of Christ to others. A few weeks ago, about five weeks ago, just after we sold our car, my wife and I, we had my in-laws over. As I said, we like watching movies, so we were watching a movie. We're all downstairs. My mother-in-law had rented a movie, so they come over to our house, and we're watching it. We got popcorn downstairs, frozen blueberries, which if you've never had a frozen blueberry, they're awesome. Uh, frozen blueberries, we've got all the, you know, we're having a fun time downstairs. We're watching the movie. My daughter's running around playing, having fun. I'm sitting on the floor with her. My wife's up on the couch with our son. My in-laws are over there. We've got all of our dogs over, so there's dogs running around everywhere. It's all fun. We watch this movie, we get done with the movie, completely done with the movie, and we're just hanging out, and my daughter's starting to run around. It's just about bedtime, so she knows she's gonna be going to bed soon. So she just starts running around playing, having fun, while she knows that we're still up. And she's running, 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 and she goes running past me. She's so cute. She's running past me and running around the beanbag and the table, and we have a couch downstairs that's up against a wall, and she goes to run, and she's been hiding in the corner, like where she can't see us and where we can't see her. We're like, oh, where's Jojo? You know, uh, she goes running over there and all of a sudden she disappears behind the couch and we hear a little bit of a thud. 
And I'm like, oh no. So I hop up because I knew she had fallen. And I hop up and I run over there and I grab her and scoop her up. And she's crying. And my daughter doesn't just cry for anything. It's got to hurt for her to cry. So she's, she's crying. So I scoop her up and I grab her and I put her on my shoulder and she's crying. And all I want to do is just comfort her, right? All I want to do is just take, take the pain away. I just want her to, to not feel pain. I want her to be okay. So I put her on my shoulder and I just start calming her down like, yo, Joe, you know, I'm just showing love on her. You know, just showing love. And, and I grab her and my father-in-law's over there and we're all right there and, and we, we begin to pray and we're like, Lord, thank you that she's okay. And she kind of calms down, which is great. So she calms down. About 15 minutes later, we determine, well, we're gonna get things kind of going in the routine towards bed because when you got kids that age, it's all about the routine. So we're going through the routine and, and the routine is we give her a bottle of milk, right? She drinks some goat's milk. So we give her a bottle of milk and we go and we go on mama and dada's bed. That's my wife and mine. We go and we sit in there and we read our Bibles. And we just spend about 30 minutes of family time before we go to bed. Because we've, we always usually have busy days. So we make sure that we put that time aside for the family. So we're spending our family time and we're reading our Bibles and, and stuff. And all of a sudden, Jojo, she's drinking her milk. And she gets basically all the way down with it. She puts it down and she looks forward with like a blank stare. Kind of like this just motionless. And my wife and I kind of look at her and then all of a sudden, and I apologize, this is gonna be a little graphic, she threw up her milk, just all of her milk, she threw it up. And right away, my wife and I are like, whoa, what's going on? We're thinking, well, maybe her stomach got kind of all naughty because she was crying so hard and then we gave her milk and maybe that wasn't a good idea. Well, my daughter, Jojo, then turns and climbs up on my wife and hugs her and then threw up again all of her dinner that she had eaten. And we're like, oh no. So right there, we're kind of thinking, what's going on? Because I don't know if you know this, but hitting your head really hard because my daughter had hit her head right here. Hitting her head really hard and throwing up together is not good at all. Not good at all. So she climbs up on there and she, she threw up her dinner. So at that point, we're thinking, well, maybe we should call our doctor's office, talk to the after hours nurse that's on, see, how, uh, see, see what they think is going on, see how she's doing and see if we should go to the ER and get her checked out. Well, she's kind of, after she threw up, she kind of came back to herself and she's kind of, you know, her normal self and I'm holding her, just trying to comfort her. I'm in the bathroom just in case she threw up again and I'm just trying to comfort her. And at that moment, do you think I was pulling the scale out? Do you think I pulled that scale out and said, well, what are all the good things she's done? Put them in a bucket. And what are all the bad things she's done? Put them in a bucket. What are, you know, what are the benefits of helping her and what are the downsides? Do you think I was thinking about a scale and measuring how she's doing and you know, how good has she been that day? Not at all. Can I tell you that I had like just the father's heart and you, I mean, you guys will experience this when you get kids. It was like everything in me did not care what she had done that day. I didn't, wasn't thinking about the bad things she's done. I wasn't thinking about the good things, but all I was doing is just holding on to my little baby girl who's 20 months old and just trying to take care of her and just praying and wishing above anything that I could just take her place. I wasn't thinking about, man, how good has she been and how bad has she been? So we call the doctor and he's like, well, it doesn't sound like it's anything, but we think you should head in to the ER. So we get my daughter into the car 
And we start driving towards Zeeland Hospital because they told us to go to Zeeland because that's where our doctor's office is associated with. So we start heading towards Zeeland. We get just out of our neighborhood on the road and all of a sudden my daughter threw up again. And I'm in the back seat with her, my wife's driving. And we're, at this point, we're kind of freaking out. I mean, legitly, like, what do we do? Like, this isn't just a little bit of spit up. This is like a lot of, of stuff coming up. So at that moment, we have to make a decision. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So we're just praying and we're calling people that are friends that are nurses and work in ER and, and all this stuff. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? So we have to make a decision now. It's like, do we go to Zealand or just head straight and go to Helen DeVos Children's Hospital? Well, we made a decision. We're like, let's just go to Helen DeVos Let's, let's go right there. They're you know, a bigger hospital. Hopefully they'll know what to do. So we go, to, we go there, and as we're pulling up to the ER, my daughter throws up again. And now she's kind of going between like okay and really spacey and okay and really spacey. So I grab her out of the car, and we, we run in, and we just leave our car out in the middle of like the driveway. They just tell us to leave it there. And we run in, and we're like, you know, we're trying to explain this. And my daughter's kind of falling in and out of like not consciousness, but going from like, totally zoned out to all the way there, totally zoned out. Well, we're there for, you know, like 35, 40 minutes, and my daughter threw up again when we were in there. And at this point, my wife and I are just like, what do we do? I mean, our hearts are so, so broken to see my little girl go through that was one of the hardest things ever. One of the hardest things ever. And I never had a thought of thinking about, was she good enough today? All I wanted to do was step in and take her place. Can I tell you that that's what God wants to do? Better than that, that's what God already did. We think about this term, unconditional love. Unconditional love, to be without condition. I don't know if that's quite the right term. I think we should think of it more as perfect conditions. On our own, if you're taking notes, write down perfect condition. On our own, we are not worthy of love. We're not. I'm going to show you what I mean. Romans 5, 6 through 8 starts out and says this. When we were utterly helpless, I think that defines it right there. Utterly helpless. Something happened, and this is what happened. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God, I love this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Romans 3. Romans 3.23 says this, for everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. We've all fallen short. 
But Christ decided to do something about that. It's not unconditional love as much as it's this. Christ came and met the conditions to make us lovable. Christ came and made perfect conditions. Is God's love unconditional? Yes, but only if we're in Christ. In Christ, God's love is perfect. In Christ, God's love is perfect. Again, Romans 5, 6 through 8. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. And then the end of those two verses says, but God showed his great love for us or you or me by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What's John 3.16 say? I'm sure most of you guys know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believeth in him shall not die but have eternal life. Do you know that that's the basic part of everything when it comes to being a Christian? You guys are doing this big series. You're looking at everything the Bible says we have in Christ. I'm here to tell you that you have unconditional love in Christ. You have unconditional love from the Father in Christ. And we're supposed to, we're called to display that love to the people around us. Can you guys repeat after me? Say, I'm called to show Christ's love to others. I'm called to show Christ's love to others. Not to put them on a scale and see if they're worthy, but just display Christ to people around me. So my wife and I were standing in the emergency room with Josephine. She's thrown up several times throughout the night. And I'm standing there. And I realized at that moment how much the love of God is when I'm in Christ. It's not dependent upon if I'm worthy or anything else. It's dependent upon the fact that I'm in Christ. Can I get you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads? To be in Christ, in Christ. Once you were out of Christ, some of you may already be in Christ. And some of you, I'm gonna give the opportunity to get in Christ right now. 
The Bible makes it clear. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He came to this earth. He died a perfect, or he lived a perfect life and died a death that he did not deserve so that you can have a relationship with God. I wanna offer you up that opportunity. And I'm gonna count to three. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise up your hands right now if that's you. Say, I want, saying, I wanna receive Christ right now. All right. If you raise your hand after service, grab a leader. I'm gonna pray for you guys. If you would let me. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity to come here. Lord, thank you that we could challenge each other about what it means to be in Christ. Lord, we just ask you to open up the heavens and pour out on us your love. We thank you that unconditional love is valuable, is is valuable and available inside of Christ. We just pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you.